Hello, and uh, welcome to another episode of the Sim Sundays podcast. And we are joined by some familiar faces from our friends at Traction GG, Thomas Harrison Lord and John Munro. Hello. Hello. Hello, Tom. How's it going? It's going very, very well. So you guys have been on the podcast before, right? And actually, you now hold the record for the most episodes on the Sim Sunday podcast yeah. of two, because we haven't, bizarrely, ever had to repeat a guest. I thought when I started this podcast, I was like, oh, Sim Racing's niche. How am I going to get a new guest every single week if we're going to do this for years? And actually, it's been really, really, really easy, because Sim Racing has basically been growing at a much faster pace than, you know, the amount of weeks in a year grows which is zero so it's uh it's been it's actually been surprisingly easy to get new guests every single week however we are starting a new format of the show right so every quarter every three months we figured let's get together and between the three of us look back on the last three months and decide what's what's standing out to us like what's happened in sim racing that matters and what should we discuss and we thought the three of us we could have a chat about it and i had this kind of idea of it's a bit nerdy, right? But, you know, the Sunday morning newspaper shows where you get these, like, experts, right? And they sit around and they're saying, I saw this this article about inflation in The Guardian. And then they will talk about it in their person. So, you know, I saw this thing about Roy Keane's girlfriend in The Daily Star, and then they will talk about that, right? So I sat, anyway, that was the most radical example. I don't know why that came to mind. So I thought we could do a three-monthly review of sim racing, and I couldn't think of anybody better to do it with than you guys from Traction GG. So thank you for thank you. for joining me. Not even Roy Keane. I thought that would go quite well. <laughs> that, that would be pretty left wing. And I honestly don't think I've thought the name or read the name, seen the name or heard the name Roy Keane in about 10 years. <laughs> so I'd love to know the psychology of why that name came to my mind just now. But no, yeah. maybe, or maybe I don't. You're reading yourself a so, bit there, Tom. Yeah. Inside my inner monologue. Anyway, get out of there. So we have all been very, very busy. We've been keeping in touch, but we're all busy people traveling around. And we all traveled to Gamescom very, very recently. So this feels like a really good place to start. Although we didn't cross paths because, stupidly, our first Gamescom, we decided to go on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, where 320,000 other people also decided to go and visit because that was when it was open to the public. You guys, very, very smart, went to the, the B2B days on the Monday to Thursday. So it's going to be fascinating to kind of see the differences but um tom let me throw this over to you what stands out from your experience at gamescom oh well uh (laughs) gamescom is an amazing event it's one of the last few gaming in-person events i think certainly in europe and in america doesn't even have e3 anymore in person sadly and so i and i love that old-fashioned vibe and so what stands out to me is sometimes holy moly some games have got massive marketing budgets uh, but that's probably not the answer we were looking for there. No, obviously, it was great to see Sim Racing represented our little corner of video games, which oh, already I've already said Sim Racing are video games within the first five minutes and offended half the audience, but uh, that's what they are. Um, Former simulation, man. Yeah, sorry. Uh, but it, uh, actually, I would think year on year there was slightly less representation this time around, but it's still uh, wonderful to see the likes of Moser and Ubisoft and some indie developers and Nakon use that as a place to showcase their new upcoming racing games or simulation-related hardware. So uh, uh, and that's a really key thing for the growth of the genre, I think, to yeah, try yeah. and bring in more people from other parts of gaming. Yes. Now, I wrote an article recently on my LinkedIn about this because I hadn't been to Gamescom before, so I couldn't do a year-to-year comparison, but I was surprised by how much sim racing there was at the event, given that it was a gaming mm. in general event rather than a, a sim racing event. And actually, it, it sparked some some conversation uh, between um, the guys at Sim Racing Expo, um, the director of marketing at Assetech jumped in, and then uh, the director of marketing at D-Box jumped in. And there were some interesting takes on whether or not uh gamescom is the right place for sim racing or the sim racing expo is the right place for sim racing now obviously sim racing expo was like sim racing expo is the best place for <laughs> for, sim race, for sim racing right which obviously makes a lot of sense um but dbox made some some uh interesting uh points about gamescom about how you can bring new people into the sector and rather than showing off equipment to people who already have equipment you can show 
equipment to people that have never seen sim racing. And that was the one thing that stood out for me is that every single stand that had a sim rig on it had a, I would argue, larger stand than the average size of the crowd at every other stand, right? Mm. So there were just so many people crowding around to watch sim racing. So it seemed to be, I reckon, you know, 300,000 people saw sim rigs that weekend. Probably the majority of them hadn't seen them in the in the flash in the in the aluminium profile um, before, which obviously is great, uh, which is great for sim racing. So, but John, what did you see? What did you, did you see? Any demos or any any sim racing games that, that stand out to you? So, I actually personally wasn't there. I was I was getting my Gamescom fix through Tom for on behalf of Traction. So, see, uh, I was I was getting all the photos, getting all the info. Um, but no, I mean, from what it looked like, yeah, sim racing has become a big thing, and I think. It's always been a niche thing, but it seems to definitely be spilling out into the mainstream gaming world a bit more than mm. I probably expected. You know, and we've seen it in you know events I've been to this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the IEM Katowice for the opening round of ESLR one, and we saw sim racing combined with an actual esports event with CS:GO and all these kind mm-hmm. of things. It was it was a weird thing to witness almost because you've got this little niche that always feels like it's a separate community just for people mm-hmm. interested in that thing. Mm-hmm coming together and being at an event with these major players across the world and it, it was it was weird because it was it was mixed feelings about whether or not sim racing is or does have the potential to be that big i think we talked about it the last time we we jumped on this podcast but seeing how many big companies are taking an interest in sim racing mm. and seeing i think more and more sim racing rigs and hardware becoming accessible and affordable it's definitely heading that direction so i'd be intrigued to see what the change is moving forward for next year for example Yes, and on that note, Moza, talking of affordable sim racing equipment, they're, you know, they're, I don't know, would you say that, that you could class them as at least one of the first kind of challenger brands in the budget, direct drive, new category that, that is out? They, they were the only manufacturer to have a dedicated stand um, at Gamescom, which I thought was quite telling. Um, Tom, you obviously went and, yep. and saw them. I'm, I'm assuming you went and spoke to them during the, the B2B time. What was your take on their, their commitment to Gamescom? Well, it, the, the stand, every time I went past it, and this is anecdotal, was overflowing. And I think it just Good. showed that there's a potential for people to really... That pe- general gamers can relate to sitting in a cockpit or a rig and driving a steering wheel like a real car uh, if they're not able to afford a real car in their real life. Or certainly we can't afford tickets to the Nürburgring every weekend. One. Right. So there's a there's a... That's the, and that's the market they were aiming for there, and it was telling that they chose that event to announce their Xbox, their first console-approved device, and hopefully there's a PlayStation right? one soon. Um, and that's a, that's a huge step, and that's that's the sort of market. I think if you think about, um, I don't know, a traditional marketing funnel to get really boring with some old theory, uh, games comes towards the top. It's trying to get people hey. aware of sim racing. And sim expos further down the middle, where it might be more okay. I'm already into it. What do I go there and test out what I might buy very soon? So when companies mm. are looking at what they want to get from an event, games comes about yeah. establishing this is a, sim racing is a thing, and you're part of that growth. And sim racing expo might be more oh, how many sales have we got from this, or how many leads? Yeah. Uh, so fantastic for Moza to represent the entire industry in that respect. In that respect, um, because the public there seem to really enjoy it. Really. So why why do you think Mosa was the only one, and not from Mosa's perspective, but mm. from everyone else's? I, I've sp- I've spoken to a, a few brands now about this, asking them, you know, why why not have a stand at um, at Gamescom? Uh, but why why do you think uh, that that someone like Fanatec or Simicube or Astec didn't decide to have a stand there? Well, I think I think Simicube, for example, are just taking that one brand out after there, but it could be also be VRS or SimMagic or whatever. Uh, that might be too higher end and too niche. Someone from Simicube once told me that Simicube is the destination brand. That's what they're aiming for. So you've already had another wheel and then you buy a mm. Simicube once you're really into it and then that Simicube might last for 10 years. So yeah. I, I feel like I don't want to speak for Moser's marketing team directly, okay. but, but Moser is uh, entry to mid. Mm. Certainly with the with the R3 that John can touch upon in a second because I think he'd be playing it. Uh, that okay, gets you okay, in there, so, doesn't it? So just, but, okay, so to to reframe this then, um, maybe me rattling off uh, Simicube and Aztec in particular was was a bad example because they're very very high end and, no and Aztec in particular kind of focus on performance. Yeah. But why wasn't Logitech and Thrustmaster? Ah, there? well, there was some form of Logitech stand. 
I think it was a local importer, and they did have the uh, G Pro direct drive that just launched on there. But you're right, it was no, surface no, level, smaller, very right? small. Uh, they had something there. Um, I don't again. I don't want to speak too much for Logitech, but I would have had a stand there if I actually had made use of the quick release. Uh, uh, they've got this new device, but there's no ecosystem for it yet. So maybe when that time is right, and hopefully next year is the case, then they'll have more to show. Uh, and then Thrustmaster, yeah, it would have been great to have them in person because they've got the affordable stuff. Um, uh, but they were around. They had a B2B area uh, to have a conversation with, but they they did a launch a new product at Gamescom, which was their Truck Sim adapter yes, setup. I saw that. Yeah, yeah, and that was on every stand, I believe, that had a truck or farming sim-related thing. So... Yeah, they weren't there with their own stand, but they had worked with these game publishers behind the scenes to get their product to be revealed at the show. So it was kind of a different Dude. way of doing it. It would have been nice to see more, but maybe they were just focused yeah. on the uh, truck and farming sim market this time around. <laughs> well, I do... farming... Sorry, John. Go no, no, I was going to say it's, it's interesting because I was actually looking at Steam charts recently and your truck simulator on Steam specifically is mm. the most played... Uh, it's not a racing game, right? But it's the most played it... driving game yeah. of all of them on Steam. And I'm not saying that covers consoles, but there's clearly a big market there and actually that kind of can relate a bit more to your average gamer rather than sim racer because it's something that you know lots of people drive on the road not everyone races type thing um and i, but I just wonder in general you know talking about logitech bringing the g pro um but not having the changeable wheels and not having their entry level stuff again is it maybe uh misreading the situation with gamescom being such you know it's an open book for people who maybe aren't into sim racing and racing games but love games mm. and it, it's a perfect place to yeah. to get some new people and come across so i do wonder if they're missing a trick by not going in with the with the entry level stuff yeah. and that's where moza are really really accelerating and excelling yeah. at the moment they're just constantly throwing out new products and they're yeah. moving more and more towards the the budget end you know the affordable direct drives and stuff which is i think the perfect place to start if you really you know if you've played your first racing game and you want to get some hardware i think it's a really really good starting point yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think you're absolutely right there that there was a there was a trick missed, I think, by especially the, the budget uh, manufacturers because actually there was quite a lot of sim racing activations there. I don't know if you saw the Intel eRacer yeah. Get Closer Racing collaboration, but on the Saturday, that must have had three or 400 people all crowding around mm. to watch. I think they had two rigs. So they literally had two people racing and they had three or 400 people crowding around to watch that. But obviously those rigs were motion rigs if i had to estimate you know 10 15, euros plus so not the sort of thing that you could take home with you after gamescom right um True. so i think there was a, a real hype around sim racing created at gamescom i think the execution on converting those hyped up gamers to to sim racers with you know taking home a logitech or a dustmaster under their arm um was a was a a, a trick missed but let's move on from Gamescom because if you haven't already listened to it, we did do a, a podcast at the Gamescom, right. um, which you can listen back to where me and Camille, Griff, I just software engineer, we kind of dive into everything that we saw there, um, including Forza. Uh, and we might get to Forza uh, later on. However, in the spirit of our newspaper Sunday morning format, John, bring us a story to the table. Well, I think since it's the first time we've kind of got together for this new quarterly review thing, um, we don't really have a, a three-month section to talk about, right? We've kind of got everything to talk about, and it's been quite a while since we last spoke. So, I don't know. I just I would just like, quite like to start by looking at 2023 in general for racing games and what we've seen already, because it's been a bit of a weird year, in my opinion. It kind of feels like it feels like a calm before a storm and we keep on waiting for these big releases and things are just getting pushed and pushed and we're getting drip fed information but it's just like nothing's quite happening yet and everything that is happening is is almost i don't know if it's a little underwhelming or just maybe not quite hitting as big as we thought it's it's been a bit of a funny year i think give us some examples what 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 are you expecting to to be launched that hasn't launched or what has been launched that that this felt a little flat i mean we, we've been we've obviously all been excited for like so far as a motorsport and that <laughs> just keeps getting edged back and test drive unlimited the more we hear the more it gets pushed we were really looking forward to ren sport um previously but then that's mm -hmm. also been pushed as well so everything is is just i think overestimating in terms of release dates and then just wanting to get everything right and pushing back um, and then the titles we have seen we've seen our yearly releases that usually do really well you know the formula <laughs> one game i actually think formula one 23 had some really good bits that, that were a big step up from last year's game but they also shot themselves in the foot a little bit with the style of what they're going for and the direction they're going mm -hmm. and i think a lot of people are 
a yeah. bit upset yeah. about the way that Formula One games have gone recently, mm-hmm. judging by the general feel of talking to people and seeing what's said online. It seems like there's just a little bit less hype and noise around the F1 games at the moment than there was previously. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you look at the likes of TT Isle of Man right on the edge three, really exciting, really, you know, really promising and maybe just didn't quite deliver in all the areas that mm-hmm. were, were hoped. Um, you know, there's a few different examples, but I just, I just feel like nothing has really, really stood out as being a spectacular, surprising success so far. And maybe you guys can correct me on that. Um, maybe I'm forgetting some, some, something, but it's just well, that, been a bit quiet. I don't know. That I was about to throw that straight to Thomas to say, would you contest anything? Is there anything that's been launched here that you, that you do think is standing out? Uh, uh, well, I did enjoy the TT game, but John's right. There was some rough edges and still remain, but that, that's probably been my favorite so far. Uh, actually, yeah. You know, we're supposed to be talking about sim sim racing on cars, I suppose, predominantly. But I've just been playing Ride 5 recently, and I don't think that moves the game on enough from Ride 4. So it's very good if you've not played it at all. And MotoGP as well is sort of flatlining a bit uh, in that respect, but hopefully good. Yeah, no, I think John's made a good point. that, And it just happens in gaming industry quite a lot. It's quite a cyclical thing. But just uh, we all were hoping for Red Sport this year and Test Drive this year. They've they've not arrived. But I'd rather than be finished. WRC as well. Yes, we don't know what's going on with EA's supposed uh, WRC license. They've got a five-year deal that kicks in this year. It would be nice to see something, but we're not sure what's going on. And that, that's actually what I'm most looking forward to than anything this year. So here's hoping there's still time left in the year. Good, good. So, let, yeah, well, you say the calm before the storm, right? What are we hoping to see in the storm? Ooh, I mean, you it's... One. Wh- you when... one. Right, so let's say Christmas, right? Well, what do you want for Christmas, John? Oh, what do I want for Christmas? I mean personally probably depends what mood i'm in around christmas i like relaxing and not taking things too seriously so maybe i'm talking test drive but um you know forza motorsport is a game that i've never actually owned before weirdly enough um, because i've never been an xbox player but having forza games on pc now being introduced to horizon i'm definitely excited to see where that's going and i know we're, we will touch upon more yeah. forza motorsport later on because i know it's yeah. a big thing um but test drive unlimited brings me back to my childhood i used to play those games so very very excited about them i mean all i'm doing is listing all of these games right because they're all exciting to me i mean tom's already said wrc we don't really know anything about that but if there was a game you know dirt rally 2.0 is one of the games i've played the most in the last probably seven or eight years i mean it's not that old yet but it's definitely the game i've put some of the most time into and I feel like having the official license and upgraded Dirt Rally experience, this could be fantastic as well. So I'm kind of a bit all over the place. Just everything, this is probably why I'm frustrated, you know? Everything sounds so exciting. And we could have this situation where in a small, maybe a number of three months, for example, next episode or two episodes time, we could be talking about a series of massive games coming out, whether they be a success or a disappointment. But there's so much hype around these titles and they just keep getting pushed back. Well, I, I would do we... interject here, sorry, and say that uh, on the Traction website and YouTube channel, we did do eight exciting racing games that are coming out still this year. So I recommend that. And uh, But John's taking the thunder, because at the bottom there, we put like, uh, is there an EA rally game this year? Because if that yep. were the case, that's yeah. what I would like. Um, but we should also mention, obviously, Traction, we are part of the Motorsport Games group. I've not been paid to say this, but there is the Mon Ultimate, supposedly currently set mm-hmm. for December. So that's a new PC-only simulator potentially hopefully releasing later this year i'm off to see as we get close to that if it's any good or not well see this is really interesting right so le mans is a series that absolutely fascinates me because of the you know the leger ladder that you climb to get there but we've not really seen too many details about what this game is going to be like is it essentially just going to be you know the the just a reskin of our factor yeah yeah i didn't want to say it but like it's essentially just going to be that's everyone's concern though right on Le Mans, or, or is there going to be like a, a proper campaign mode where you go through that kind of gentleman driver Ligier ladder, as they call it, up to Le Mans? Because that would actually be quite exciting, I think, to, to, to see that and be able to follow that through because it's it's a totally different kind of, you know, it's not Formula 4, Formula or it's like karting, Formula 4, Formula 3, Formula 2, Formula 1 that we're all familiar with or, or karting and then uh, Ginetta. GT4, GT3, like it's another ladder that a lot of people don't really know too much about because it's it's a pretty much it's a gentleman driver slash kind of retired F1 driver mm. sport, but they do have a very interesting ladder that you can that you can follow up with some you know some interesting tracks and tracks that we don't see in other games. So I'm I'm excited to see if if it goes completely off piste and does and kind of sticks to that, or if it is as you say R Factor Two with a bit of a like. Le Mans series. I think the truth focused. will be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> yeah, like we don't yeah. know is 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 the truth. Uh, yes, just yesterday at the time of recording, they announced uh, 
like what the modes are, and there's got this uh, co-op mode and stuff. So that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't seem like there's a let's say traditional campaign or career because I suppose it's yes. more it- of a pure sim racing sandbox. No. Um, but it seems like it'll have like this new ranked online mode. So we'll have to see how that that could be the key <laughs> key appeal. Yeah. It might not be. Let's we'll see. I mean, for for me as well, it's, I'm glad you mentioned Le Mans Ultimate because that's another thing. You know, we, we've covered we've done the history of Le Mans videos in the Traction Channel. Um, it's another motorsport discipline that's sometimes uh, I think the magic's kind of almost put to the side or forgotten about until Le Mans comes along, and then suddenly everyone remembers just how special it all is. Yeah, yeah. And it's been such a long time since we've had a proper official game that that's really exciting for any sim racing fan. And I'm a big fan personally of the R Factor Two physics and feel. So yeah. if they can take the good bits of R Factor, the good driving experience. Yes, it could be sim-focused, which might be disappointing for people who are needing that more accessible title. But if they can take the good bits and just tidy up the negative bits a little bit more, you know, if it's the loading times are smaller, if everything's a bit cleaner, it, it really could be a success for the demographic that enjoy R-Factor when it's working well. So yeah. I, I am hopeful for it. But as Tom says, we're still waiting on details. We still haven't seen enough to really be able to judge it. And, you know, we're just hoping, like <laughs> everyone else, that it's a, a good experience. Yeah, same with the rally game. Yeah, like, now... I really want to see more details because I love I love that, and it's been ages since a new rally sim. So here's hoping. Mm. Yeah. Now you said something there, Tom, that I thought was quite interesting. When you you kind of briefly skipped over it, you said about the co-op mode um, on uh, the Mod Ultimate. Mm. Now I think the co-op mode is actually really significant to sim racing generally. Now that sim racing is opening up to more casual gamers, and this is why, right? It's asynchronous multiplayer mm. so it allows two people to do an endurance race as you know that they, they each do a, a stint each and then once you finish your stint and then saves the game and then the next person can do their stint um but it's totally asynchronous which means if you have two people in two different time zones or one person works nights and the other one's a day or there's the students and you know that the, the timetable is always changing you can have that multiplayer experience but asynchronously so you can share the experience but not at the same time um which is also something that forza um is kind of uh, is doing with their um single player campaign so when you when you go into a single player race if you have friends who have raced that particular race in the campaign you will race against their car with their that as i understand it their tuned parts and the additional like uh, upgrades that they brought to their car and their livery it's their name hovering above the car with their avatar, etc. So although it's being raced by AI, there's that sense of you're going through the campaign at the same time as your friends. So there seems to be a focus on asynchronous multiplayer, which I think is a, a real step in the right direction to bridge the gap between your hardcore, we all meet at 7 o'clock for practice, it's driver briefing at 7.30, it's qualifying at 8 crowd, and the I'm just going to play single player because I just want to jump on the sofa and do something for fun. Yeah, uh, the Forza thing is interesting because it's like an extension or a new interpretation of their driver tar system. Mm. Which, if you look at the lineage of that, it was from Forza Motorsport 5, the first the launch game from Xbox One. And I think, as gamers will know, the Xbox One launch, even if you're an Xbox fan, I think you would have to admit that that was <laughs> troubled. Uh, they had this whole thing where it was going to be online only and um, yeah. with the Connect and the driver tar system almost came about to try and promote that. So the cloud was going to cover, control the AI, and, and it didn't work out, and it, and it wasn't a success. But the, the Drivatar name continued, and it's still in Forza Horizon 5, right? If I fire it up, uh, the, the Rally DLC they recently did, and John Monroe's name is on the list. That's mainly because he's played Forza, though. It's not really doing much to my experience. It just kind of looks cool. But yeah. now it sounds like, okay, at least it's going to be that tune of vehicle and their livery. And that really adds to... A social experience, right? Much more than an yeah. online leaderboard. So that, so that'll be interesting, and I think yeah. more avenues will be explored in, in similar, in similar ways with like the Monte Carlo yeah. and hopefully in the, in the future. But since we have, we we've kind of touched on Forza a couple of times, and we keep saying yeah. we come back to it. So why don't we round let's go Forza off now? Uh, so the next thing I want to talk about Forza was, and I don't know if you caught this. I'm sure you did, Tom, when you were in that little darkened room well, and they did the, we'll the, the play demo. No pressure. The, the use the use of the word machine learning. Mm. Yeah. Well, in, in, in reference to how the AI will behave when racing against you. Now we've heard a couple of games start to talk about, you know, the, the AI is now AI powered. We've always called it the AI racing against of course. the AI. But now it's thinking. But now it's 
now is AI, right? Yeah. And, and and I think the guy, the community manager who was uh, presenting to us must have said the phrase machine learning about 12 times in three minutes uh, to, to really drive that that point home. Is that something you picked up on? Yeah, but I would uh, temper it slightly because I'm being cynical now. But the, if you look back, yeah. one of the best things you should do, or worst things, is look back at how for, uh, Microsoft promoted Forza Motorsport 5, 6, and 7 and how they tout it versus the reality. So uh, until we can play it, like I can't, I can't do mm-hmm. it. What I do know is I have played... I don't want to go into like a 2007 thoughts of Gran Turismo argument, but Gran Turismo Sophie, we have played, they've only had a trial of it so far. And that actually seems like the real innovation of AI rivals, in my opinion, which I know mm. John's had a go on uh, as well. Yeah. And and Agreed. this might be better <laughs> AI, no doubt, than Forza Motorsport 7. But we'll have to see over time, uh, extended PlayStation, if they actually are good AI to race against because I don't know about you Tom but the demo I saw the person was playing with a controller very tentatively and I couldn't yeah. tell the AI level difficulty that was set and it felt like it yeah. was a demo at a show so it's understandable not critiquing yeah. really but they were taking it easy yeah. they were making it trying to look like oh I'm overtaking I'm not and so until we get to try it- and have a go on it we'll have to see how clever the AI actually is but I'm hopeful for a step forward so at the beginning of our demo, the guy was like, so we've got the choice of this car, this series, or this series, that series. He said, what do you fancy? They were kind of back and forth. I fancy, oh, I'll do this. So they ended up doing the super sedan. And then when they're choosing the tracks, they were like, so we could do this track or this track. What do you fancy today? Which one are you going to do today? And he was like, uh, I don't know. Maybe we'll try Magello this time. And in my head, I was like, have they driven the Audi at Magello every well, single day? Well, that's the demo I saw. Okay, right. <laughs> so that's a hundred percent of the yeah. the two demos I now know about was the Audi at Magello. It just it felt like acting. Yes, <laughs> that was, and it was always when like they were going that's for game it too much. Sometimes. That was like interesting. Yeah. So I, I, we're close to launch, and I believe no one, no media has played it yet. But there's still time. So can you be open minded and skeptical at the same time? I think that's what we try and approach every game ahead of release. Yeah. You know, we're being constructive be. with feedback. So I really would like yes. Microsoft to do do something with track driving that's competitive. This seems like a big step forward for the series, but mm. has the genre moved on since it's been away? Mm. That's my yeah. look at it. But anyway, it's going yeah. to be the most important, serious, <laughs> let's say serious, not sim, uh, racing game this year because it will be $1. <laughs> so they will have yes. 10 million players. <laughs> yes, yes, which is which is great. And it, yeah, so anyway, okay, so that is Forza. Um Right. Tom, over to you. You're at the table. Pick a story from your newspaper, sir. Oh, uh, goodness. Um, oh, God, I can see you furiously screaming. Yeah, yeah, I'm like, oh, what are we talking about? No, do you, know what? do you know what? We could, um, I think we should touch upon Cartoon Superstars. And in that case, I'm yes. going to throw it across <laughs> to John Munro. <laughs> <laughs> thrown. It's been thrown. Right, so... Karting Superstars is essentially a follow-up from Original Fire Games to uh, Circuit Superstars, which is a game we did talk about last time we came on this podcast, and uh, I think we all have pretty positive feelings towards Circuit Superstars. It's not a AAA huge title with loads of features and everything. It is just a bare-bones, simple, quirky, fun racing game that is hard to dislike, really. Um, And obviously, Karting Superstars, as as you guys are aware, has recently been announced, and we've seen a few bits and pieces here and there. Um, but yeah, very soon, you know, I've actually managed to have my hands on it uh, just this morning for the first time and having a little feel of it. Very early stages, of course. Um, but that's something we're all excited about. So before I maybe talk about uh, how how I feel from this morning's run and how how are you guys feeling about it? Are you looking forward to it? Are you, did it come as a surprise? Well, I love that studio to bits. I'm very fortunate to have met uh, Carolina, the the founder. Um, we spent a day together around Game Developers Conference in San Francisco. And the, the beauty of that studio is the fact that it is three siblings that are just doing fun stuff. They've managed to get like a bit of like indie studio funding. They bring in a couple of freelancers when it gets to actually publishing the game. But it's such a small group of people. You think you think that if you can play something on your Switch and on your PC, you, you you assume that these indie studios are at least kind of 15 to 20 people. Well, at least I did anyway. Maybe that's my naivety. Literally three people making the, the, the bones of that game. And they started posting on their, their Instagram these little um, clips of kind of like the in-game editor footage. It was almost like they were filming it on their phone of the screen when they were editing the cart, when they were first making the cart and they did the smoke effect coming out the back of the cart. And I was like, ooh, 
interesting. So obviously everybody's hoping for like a circuit superstars too. Um, so I was thinking, oh, is this kind of is this the beginning of the content for the next version, or is it blah blah? And then from about a month of them starting to to talk about the development of this, they they launched it. So very very quick process, and and actually straight after this uh, podcast, and this is going to confuse people depending on the order in which we release these episodes. But I'm speaking to Carolina in like an hour, um, so I'm going to be asking her questions about karting superstars and rumors about CS2, etc. Um, so yeah, I absolutely love the studio. I love the the joy behind it. I love the color. I love the artwork. It's just a just a, like unapologetically unserious racing game, and there is so much room in this market for that that it it's just it's it's joyous. And there is a bit of a cult following, I'd say. There's a lot of sim racers, like your hardcore sim racers, who also love Circuit Superstars because I think it's the yin to all of our massive yangs, as it were. Sounds a bit weird. Um, but yeah, it's it's it, I, I absolutely love it. So let me throw a question back to you both. I'm speaking to Carolina soon. Both of you can ask me to ask her a question. If you can ask Carolina a question about the about the game, about Karting Superstars, what would it be? I'd be interested to know what uh, <laughs> what they're aiming for yeah. in terms of the amount of content at launch and what their plans are. Is it going to be like a supported okay. over the next year or yeah, so? Content support. Or is it just, okay. um, here it is. Okay. For, for yeah. me, I just really want to know what at what moment did they suddenly realize, hang on a minute, we've got a game here from okay. a different camera view that, you know, how, at what moment did they realize that this just changing the camera view and changing the feel of it is essentially the the, the seed for a, for a whole new game? Because I can imagine whether that was just playing around on Circuit Superstars in some sort of development mode or, or what it was. Um, I'd be intrigued to hear about that. The, the origin story of Karting Superstars, as it were. Okay. Great. Well, I will ask both of those questions. So, Karting Superstars very, very recently out. I think it's quite cheap as well. I think it was like, is it, I mean, you bought it this morning, John, so it's eleven ninety nine or something. It's, it's, it's a cheap game. Um, well, on, on, on... Sorry, Tom. No, I was just saying, I'm not sure if we know when it's out or the price yet, so we'll, we'll have to find out. Um, Karting Superstars? Yeah. It's just really wishlist at the minute, isn't it? No, no, it's a doubt. You can buy it unless you can buy it to wishlist it, but oh, the price is out because I. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fine. It's 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 super quick, right? It's it's rapid, absolutely rapid. Um, how quickly they brought that that game out. Um, but I go. I suppose that goes to show the agility that a tiny, tiny studio can have, right? They decide that for whatever reason, the strategy for their studio, um, and their their game release schedules actually would really benefit from doing this little mini project because we had this idea we don't know where else it fits why don't we package it up as a get like you just be able to do that whereas i expect a large studio you're not expecting them to just oh we're just going to just release like a little kind of like, almost like a dlc game like mm. to, as a one and um, so i really i really really liked it and i, I did um text asking when it was going to come out on uh on uh on switch but i don't think they plans for it to come out on switch uh just yet but right. it's also karting right so, I mean, Traction GG, right? You, as Traction GG, you're probably always coming up for like, what is a really good title for an article that people are going to search? And I imagine uh, that's Best a challenge. Karting Simulator is up there. Yes, I think we have one already. But it doesn't include this, obviously. Because there's not that many. No, there's, there's not, that, not many. that many. No, 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 it's a handful. And certainly so on you've console, you've got another one to consider for that list. Yeah, we'll add it in there. Thanks. Well, I can't wait to try it. I've not tried it yet. And um, I think we've received an early version, so we'll have to have a quick bash soon. Well, mm-hmm. I can give you a, a quick early flavor if you'd like, just for. I don't want. I'm not. This is by no means a review. I don't really want to spoil it for people that are wanting, that are wanting to know more. And we will be doing a video of it on the Traction <laughs> channel as well. Um, so make sure you check that out soon. Yeah, it, but it's. De- yeah. It feels like a definite, clear continuation of Circuit Superstars. It feels like it's from the same mold, but it almost feels like this game was meant to be a karting game from the start. Mm. Like when you drive a go kart, no, no, no. and the the physics that I experienced in this early build felt very similar. To, to the in terms of the way the car actually drives but looking at it as a cart it just felt completely natural it felt right you know within within one or two laps i just felt completely at home i felt like i knew exactly how it was going to handle and the racing was great and it feels like it's always wanted to be in some ways a cart racer and i just love about circuit superstars how they kind of blend the idea of 
real racing and a kind of uh, uh, you know it's not it's not a simulation in any way in terms of the physics now it feels but at the same time the racing is real you know it's not mm. it's not um like mario yeah. kart where you've got all this the extras and the you know the mushrooms and all this kind of stuff it is real racing done in a fun and not realistic way but you still have to apply racing thought to it and, and that's kind of where i think this game will sit really nicely it is a, essentially like a, a fun quirky karting game that feels right but at the same time it is pure uh, enjoyable racing at the at the core of it. So yeah, I think it's going to attract the same sort of people that like Circus Superstars, and um, that's probably as as much as I can say right now, having not played it for very long. But yeah, it's it's definitely uh, an enjoyable experience. That was a beautiful uh, pre-review, and I'm looking forward to watching <laughs> the the full review on the Traction channel. Um, okay, so uh, my turn to come to the table with a uh, newspaper article. Now I did speak to. Um, Super GT. I was very lucky, actually. I've been trying to get hold of Super GT for um, a podcast episode for a long time, and uh, the week that he uh, said that he was free was actually the week straight after Gran Turismo came out, which was obviously great timing because he's synonymous with Gran Turismo and basically lived the life of Jan Mardenborough. So it was it was great to kind of go through those um, those comparisons and those similarities between the story of Gran Turismo and the the story of. Um, of uh, of super gt um so i know not everyone around this table has seen gran turismo which is unforgivable quite frankly yeah, John. i've seen barbie and oppenheimer oh so well fair, yeah <laughs> I'm just, i've let everyone down but you know i've done that deliberately so that i can come at this conversation from a fresh perspective cool. it's all it's all part of the plan so then you speak to a lot of people who would have seen it or would want to see it so let's start with the most unconventional film review question ever. How have you found the reviews to the film? What are uh, people saying? I think critically negative, and from from I feel like from a, from a yes, a critical standpoint, I've heard a lot of negativity and a bit of mixed mixed feelings, mixed emotions, and like all sorts of films like this when it comes to racing, there's a lot of stuff that when you're a really big fan of something and they turn it into a film, you're you're almost putting extra pressure on it to be good and you're looking at all the different details that other people wouldn't pick up on now interestingly that's one side of things and then from my facebook friends who maybe take a more casual interest in racing or aren't interested in racing i'm getting nothing but positive reviews about how much they enjoyed it uh, loved the racing action loved all that stuff so i'm definitely seeing it from both sides for sure and um, positive and negative and i think the more invested you are in the story and the situation the harder it is to please with this film for sure but mm. it's hollywood isn't it it's, it's always going to be a mixed bag it's so in, very interesting because I've actually heard an incredible amount of positive reviews, but they all came from non-sim racers. And actually, a lot of gamers really liked it. And people who don't sim race or like motorsport or particularly game very much really liked the film. It seems to have just not sat well with sim racers, which, to be honest with you, kind of makes sense. Because if you're going to make a film and you're going to spend X number of tens of millions or hundreds of millions, whatever it is, making it, and you need to uh, attract an audience you're not going to be targeting a very tiny group of people that call themselves sim racers because that's not a great way to 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 make the money back. But Tom, Tom, what was your thoughts? Oh, well, we could have a whole podcast on this, but I'll try and break it down a bit. But when I think as a film, I really love film. I'm a bit of a film buff. And, um, you know, it, <laughs> John mentioned Barbie and Oppenheimer. Go go watch them instead. They're far, far better films. My, my opinion <laughs> was that... Fantastic. Yeah, Barbie is a film about a plastic toy, right? Controversial one, but a plastic toy. But it's not really. It's it's got the subcontext sub, subtext of um, gender roles in society. It's actually saying something meaningful. But it's doing it in a glossy, sugary, funny, entertaining way. And Oppenheimer's this serious, you know, Christopher Nolan mm. thing about the history. The Gran Turismo movie is based <laughs> upon men driving cars, and what it says about the world is men drive cars. It doesn't have any serious <laughs> meaning to me at all. It's completely, you know, featherweight. However. I think it's what are you a, talking about? There was a there was a very very compelling love story. That, that, that ran well, this is it. This. Oh, there wasn't, was there? <laughs> the, 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 the love story is is, is oh, you could barely call it a story, really. The, <laughs> there is another character of interest. There's a random police chase. There's um, and for me, yeah. my biggest big bugbear actually with it is that the antagonist has about four lines. So I don't actually hate his rival. So when it gets to the big point, no. oh, about Lamont, and I'm going to take over this guy. I don't care about the rival, so I'm not invested in the in that. However, I would say the lead is very enigmatic, well done. The driving scenes are extremely visceral. Uh, that's fair play. 
and there are really amazing little Easter eggs to Gran Turismo fans, which like the noises yes. and everything and the camera angles, and that's yeah, yeah, yeah. that's wonderful. And I think for sim racing, it's incredible because yeah, yeah, there's a yeah. film about sim racing. Now, some people have been snotty yeah. about it. Gran Turismo is not a sim. Fine. Um, <laughs> but they use the word sim racing throughout consistently. And I believe yeah, uh, David Pell might have had way. some input in that as well. But the, 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 the Orlando yeah. Bloom character says, these are the best sim yeah. racers in the world. I've never seen a film that's in the cinema that actually even uses that term. And it uh, says to people who have never, don't even know what Gran Turismo is, or maybe have heard that but don't understand the world of sim racing, oh, it is possible to transfer skills. And when we think about talking about wheels at an expo, people understand, oh, that's just like a real car. And this film portrays that you can go from sim to virtual. So I didn't really like the film, but I think its existence is incredible and I'm all for it. So when I said go watch Barbie and Oppenheimer instead, Support sim racing, go see Gran Turismo, and then also go watch those as well. Can I just have one one more quick thing on that? That was a bit well. of a diatribe. I'm, I'm, I'm also <laughs> I, I'm very intrigued to hear Tom's thoughts as well, um, or other Tom's thoughts, I should say. But like, so for me, the the GT Academy story was huge growing up because I I was someone who was going through that process of doing sim racing and then going real racing and making some sort of connection between the two. So it's a story that really should relate to me. But then when it comes to cinema. I've never been a fan of those. I've never been a fan of big action films and, you know, all about the dramatic scenes and the explosions and the overdramatic trailers and the, you know, the, the moments of dialogue. It's just, for me, film is a different thing. And it's a weird thing to have a story that I can actually, in some ways, relate to from my childhood or I should feel some sort of connection to. Be one of the, and it's one of the biggest films out there right now in a time where there's lots of big films. Yet, for me, I'm, I was genuinely more intrigued to see Barbie and Oppenheimer because as Tom was saying, there is more of a real story behind them and I'm genuinely more interested in seeing that in the cinema than I am about something that I can actually in some way relate to, which is, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. It's just an observation. Um, yeah. So maybe it's just the wrong type of film about the right type of thing for it me. It depends entirely know. which angle you come at it from. I think it's amazing yeah. it exists, but there are other films out there that I enjoy better. <laughs> well, Have you well, seen it, Tom? Tom? I'll be the... Of course I've seen it. Oh, okay. Of course I've seen it. I saw it. We saw we saw it the day after it came out for Nikhil, uh, our CTO's birthday. It was great. It was a very on brand birthday night nice. out for the team in Newcastle. Um, but I will very briefly be the Simon Mayo to your Mark Kermode here okay. and say that I think the film achieved exactly what it wanted to achieve, which is essentially it was an advert for Sony Gran Turismo, and in the first ten minutes, Fanatec. Like the first ten minutes of that film, where you have an actual. Yeah unboxing Amazing. experience <laughs> like that's nuts right i mean that's that's it, it it achieves exactly what it wanted to achieve i think if it wasn't for orlando bloom's character i would say that actually i kind of got a bit of a tongue-in-cheek feel almost about it like it was almost it was it was kind of serious but almost in a kind of like overly dramatic way i don't know if, if it's just me that kind of got that that i didn't think it was trying to be it wasn't trying to be too kind of like visceral and emotive. Although there was a point towards the end where I did actually get a bit emotional. I looked left and right, and obviously, you know, all the grid finder blokes were all there, just just like, oh, I have a hay fever here, uh, watery eyes. The bit where uh, you know his dad says that he was proud of him. There was a, there was a couple of little nice bits in there. It was it was an enjoyable film. What wasn't enjoyable was the fact that I accidentally booked it in the 4DX cinema, so we were getting thrown around, squirting oh, water, yeah. and having. <laughs> and having air like burst into yeah. our ears for like the first 10 minutes we were just bouncing around i said like, oh my goodness this is how long is this film so it's two hours oh my god oh yeah this is horrible um but no i enjoyed it it was i wasn't going there expecting to see a christopher nolan film yeah that's a true. steven spielberg film or a baz Luhrmann film or you know it, it wasn't i didn't think there was going to be like a huge amount of kind of art to it i thought it was just going to tell quite a novel story and it's interesting actually because it's another albeit reversed example of game and film mixing together so obviously we had the last of us where you had the game that was made into the tv series mm. this is kind of that was much uh, better it was like the <laughs> uh, yeah i mean obviously the last of us was incredible i can't wait for the next like that was nuts um but it was uh, obviously that was just uh, you, you kind of it was a film about the imaginary world, um, whereas this was a film about something that really happened. Yep. But what really happened was based 
upon I get like relied on this game to it's a, it was it was interesting and you know I wonder if it's perhaps the first of many are we going to see some films coming out about you know Crimzik's the first person to win a million dollars at an esports tournament or you know the like the the rise of ESL is there mm. you know there's probably a million and one storylines that'd be super interesting I wonder if it's the if it's opening the floodgates to okay people love gaming and esports if we do films about what's happening in the real world of gaming yeah. and esports then people will come and watch it it's uh it's very interesting fans of the hungara okay. will be overwhelmed <laughs> yeah if you like le mans don't 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 watch the film <laughs> although the, so the the le mans night scene in the wet which was obviously in hungary was horrific because the i don't know how the 40x thing works but it must be like if rain spray water <laughs> and that scene went on forever <laughs> it's quite a watery mist constantly being sprayed in our faces wow. during the, uh, the the nights anyway so yeah okay um so i believe it is back to me and i want to throw us back into the the business world of of sim racing um and i'm going to highlight the trading paint story that's just come out about the huge data leak that's been reported and the fact that they've had to stop people from using trading paints until you know they they sort this this issue out and the first thing that came to mind was how big a news story this was uh it was you know it was coming up from my google feed it was coming up all over twitter uh a lot of news outlets were were covering it and i suddenly thought okay i think you know sim racing has just entered the arena whereby if something like this happens it it, it will be noticed mm. stuff in sim racing is being and this is a community project right it originally started as a as a guy with an idea and it's grown and grown and grown and now it's like the place where you manage your liveries for iRacing it's absolutely fantastic it's a brilliant tool um they've had this data breach right and i don't know like obviously whenever there's data breaches you get people on twitter saying it's outrageous it's disgusting they don't know how to manage it they don't care about our privacy but then you know huge global multi-billion dollar corporations make these same mistakes so i find it very hard to to, to judge and have quite a lot of sympathy uh, for them as they're kind of going through this PR storm. But I do think it's interesting that what would once have been considered an incredibly niche service for an incredibly niche game in an incredibly niche sector is now quite big news. Yeah, I mean, I, I, first of all, I wouldn't wish ill on anyone at Trading Pits. I think they offer an amazing service mm. and it's wonderful. Yeah. I believe it's only a small team as well. So I don't know what they're going through at the minute. But at the same time, you know, there's like it's not good but it could happen to any company at any time well it it couldn't in theory people have precautions but you never know that the size of their it is to short teams or the budgets they've got available and the, the amount of resource they can put towards preventing these things i don't i just whoever did this you're a moron and it's not very <laughs> cool to then place it on tail on the forum via telegram or whatever it might be i can't remember what the process was yeah and say do you want to buy all these passwords no and uh, don't do that. But I think from just from our side, it was very careful. It was a very difficult one to judge because it was all an all an allegation. Even a um, yeah. you could click through some links and find some stuff. Uh, is that actually the, the information that's leaked? And so we didn't cover yeah. it uh, in the immediacy until I was, I was yeah. I, I racing acknowledged it basically, and then it was like, oh okay, yeah. fine. And then the next morning, while we were asleep, um, Trading Paints had the statement as well. So it did happen. Yeah. Uh, and I just hope it yeah. can be resolved and cover up uh, in the future and everybody learns from it. And and how do you decide as Traction whether or not this is something you want to cover and in, in what detail yeah. do you reach out for comments Always. or is this something that you don't want to prom not promote but is it no. something you don't want to bring attention to? This, like, what's your take on this it? This case is uh, slightly different because it's important people knew yeah. so they could reset their passwords. Um, yeah. We wouldn't want them anyone to have their account taken over or sold, and if they're using the same password for iRacing, for example, which they may or may not no, do, just to be clear, uh, that's like so. So it was essential for us to cover it, but we didn't cover it until um, it was confirmed by um, Trading Paints, or in our instance, it was first uh, mentioned uh, on the iRacing forum by a member of the iRacing team uh, with a warning to say, "Please change your passwords." So that's the angle, and also for things like this, we will always reach out for comment. Now, as it happens, Trading Paints did not respond. But um, you, you, probably quite busy. Had some fire. Exactly. I don't. I don't remind them <laughs> in any way for that. But we would never publish a story of this ilk that's potentially salacious. But although we are, we are dealing with a fact in the way we've done it. Um, but just as a general rule, we don't cover rumors. So, like, 
We just have to see and, and wait and try and contact people. And that's what we do for everything. Fair enough. Okay. I think it's probably enough enough said about that. But I did think it was interesting. Yeah. It's the first story like this that I can remember mm. in sim racing. Uh, you know, unless we talk about multiple games um, and all the rumors that kind well, of spin out. Well, on just that. on that, to interject, like clear, again, yeah. clearly we've got to have the caveat we're part of that company. But um, a lot of that is on the public earnings call. Anyone can go on the investor relations website, listen yeah. to it, it's called yeah. filings. So the monetary scenario is not rumor. It's, it's a fact. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we've just covered it every quarter for two years now and it gets a bit much mentally. But <laughs> hearing the same thing, you know, ultimately until there's a game released that's generating revenue, they're going to be in that scenario, in my opinion. And I'm not a spokesperson yeah. for the company there. So, but you, you, then around that, there's all sorts of rumors and stuff kicking off. And I yeah. would never touch that regardless of the company because yeah. it's not professional and it's not what traction stands for. Other sites can touch stuff and put in their own flavor. Oh, and they do. Um, and they will get monumental volumes of traffic for it, which I am jealous of in some ways. But it, it's our editorial policy to get quotes from... Um, where possible from the game developer or the publisher, whoever it might be, speak to the people involved and not comment on rumours where possible. And if you do ever see anything like that, that, it's because behind the scenes we've got confirmation. <laughs> yeah. You know. Noted. Yeah. Interesting. We can now, now we know which lines we're reading between. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Okay. That, yeah. We haven't got very long left, so let's Sorry. get around the table and just um, point out anything else that we've seen in the last three months that we think is worth highlighting we think might be significant to our sim racing world so i kind of dra dragged that question on nice and long to give Sorry. you guys time well, to decide exactly what it was you wanted to bring up but john you know you're ready yeah well we can go full circle because we started talking about gamescom and bringing you know regular gamers to the sim racing space and the kind of amalgamation yeah. of worlds and the same with the Gran Turismo film. Um, so what about those sim racers and what about their own space that they don't want invaded? Well, Sim Racing Expo, I think it's a, yeah. good, a good thing to talk about because there was a lot of uh, unrest and there was difficulties there. We didn't think we were maybe going to have an expo this year. We did. You know, everything was up in the air, but it looks like Sim Racing Expo is happening and that's an exciting and positive thing. Um, and, you know, maybe go to you for that one, Tom, because I know you've got you know, you're excited about the expo. Yeah. There's lots of good stuff happening. No, it's all right. I don't have too much more to say there. I'm, I'm, it's a shame that Kavana filed for insolvency and there were these allegations of unpaid prize money. But Southwest Vision has come from, like a phoenix from the flame and yeah. from the ashes even. Oh, get the right analogy. And um, <laughs> so I think it's really important the Sim Expo exists <laughs> and flourishes. So we will try and support yes. its direction as best we can. Uh, we obviously visited last year. We'll be there for one day, I think, this, this coming year. Time is tricky for us. And I think that um, they have said that they will uh, pay up what's outstanding. And so if that happens, fantastic. All aboard the Sim Racing Expo train. Well, I can shed some light on that. Um, obviously, Gridfinder competed last year at the Sim Racing Expo. We were in the, the Sim Racing paddock. Uh, we had a team uh, competing for the community trophy. Um, and there was a, a point a few months afterwards where I think I messaged being like, uh, I don't know if we ever got the prize money. I'm not sure if we were meant to do a form or anything. And I got a pretty quick response back saying, uh, yep, uh, you are owed the, the money. We're having some problems at the moment. Obviously, at that point, they couldn't tell us what it mm. was. But now we know that, uh, sadly, Kavana um, went and, and uh, filed for bankruptcy, insolvency, etc and southwest vision as it's known now uh, uh are taking over and because of that very complex process yep. in europe it meant that they legally weren't allowed to pay stuff out right so they the, the lawyers were like you can't pay anything out because you go through insolvency and you can't therefore spend which kind of makes sense right um however we we've been paid as a as a sim racing team we have now good, been paid good, that good, prize good. money um and as i understand it what we, I was, uh, I got an email which I think was to all of the teams saying we'd love to have a call with you, explain what happened, apologize, and set up the payments. Here's a calendly link. Book a slot. I booked a slot in the middle, and we had a, a really nice chat. And they told me the whole story, and I thought, oh, well, you know, really sorry to hear it. I'm glad that you're now reformed as, as Southwest Vision, and then they paid the the prize money. So it has now all been paid. Um, it, uh, the, uh, my impression is it was totally out of there their hands but it did kick up a real stink there was some some people really kicking off online on twitter about it and 
doing those kind of you know those posts where it's like an image of text where they yeah. think how I wrote like a, it's like a formal statement I just thought sometimes okay yes you are owed this money and you should have been paid it sooner not disagreeing however stuff happens and you know they're not, they're not, not paying because they don't want to or because they're holding it back to earn a bit more interest on it it's because they couldn't so this frustrated me a little bit I think when um what when people can be just so instantly aggressive yeah i just want to go back to our, our policy and i really don't want to come across as holier than thou because everyone makes mistakes <laughs> at, at some point i'm sure and people on x or twitter or whatever it's called this week will let me know but um you, you know we didn't cover that story until we'd heard from yes, the, actual, the actual organizers of the company right and then we could include yeah. the statement and the clarification of things and we like me and john we see yeah. it all yeah. we read the internet oh, every day it's our jobs um but you read the internet. Yeah, we read the internet, but you know, wow. sim racing Reddit and sim racing wow. Twitter. Wow, oh it's my hard. It's hard. Hard to touch <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But well, I don't know how you sleep. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, that's another story. But um... so fun story. Fun story about yeah. Southwest Vision is they're telling me about Southwest Vision before they announced Southwest Vision. They showed me the logos and the decks, and the branding. I was like, this is really, really, really cool. And then um, I was like, oh, I'll tell you what, you know what your racing number is going to have to be if you're Southwest, right? I'm sure you can do liveries. And they were like, ah. Oh, Jump, say no more. Let me show you. They went to the next slide, show me this livery. And on the side of it was 215. And uh, one of the guys from Expo was like, look, 215, because that's Southwest. And I was like, ah. As a, as, a, as a navigator in the Navy for 10 years, I can tell you that the, the bearing that you mean is 225. It was a proper, like, actually, <laughs> um, it's radial. Southwest is 225. And then they. And then one of them was, I'm not, I'm not naming names because I don't know who was responsible for the 215 bit, but one said to the other, was like, ah, we have to change quite a lot of our routing. <laughs> I was like, well, it's 45 degrees off south and south is 182. Anyway. There's a story I, behind I, it, though. There is a story behind it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Um, and it looks great. And I'm very, very excited for Sim Racing Expo. And in the very near future, we will have an enormous update about Gridfinder and Sim Racing Expo, but I can't say any more Looking than that to it. just yet. But I'm very, very yeah. excited. Nice. Should um, we talk about why the Expo's important? Because there's so many reasons yes. why I think this is massive. Um, yes. And like <laughs> the first time I heard about the Expo years ago, it, it was essentially a pilgrimage for a community of people that all talk to each other online and never get the chance to meet each other. And it's very hard to find an excuse, I think, to go up and meet up with some racing friends uh, other than if you've got an actual event, a sim racing focused event that you could almost use as that excuse to say, yeah. hey, we've got a reason, you know, we're all here at the same time, the same place. Um, so I just think the Sim Racing Expo has been a really important community element of this, of sim racing uh, for, for years now. So it, I think if, if that disappeared, it would be obviously a blow to that side of things and an opportunity for everyone to meet up missed, but also just um, a kind of stalling of the progression of the, of the industry in general, because sim racing, as you say, there's lots of signs that things are growing. And I think having something like the Expo starting, building, and then disappearing would have been uh, really big negative point for that. Signal. So what it, what, what it does encourage, obviously, having the Expo, not only a place for everyone to get together and meet up and meet fellow creators and writers and, and media and all sorts, it's also just a, a chance for these brands and companies to to show off their new stuff and to compete with each other, essentially. It's another it, it's a push to, to make their products better, to, to, to guess, push the space on further. And I just think it's a really positive thing that it's come back and i'm just so glad that we've come from this really negative uh chat about the expo and yeah. about our uncertainty and now yeah. suddenly we've we've got an event again to look forward yeah. to yeah I, I couldn't agree more i couldn't agree more you, you absolutely hit the nail on the head I, and it kind of is a pilgrimage i guess i guess the downside to it being a pilgrimage of sim races is that most sim races have sim racing equipment already yeah. so mm -hmm. In order for the Sim Racing Expo to exist, you need brands to pay to buy space to show their kit to potential customers. And if 70, 80% of people who go aren't potential customers because, you know, they're, they're already diehard Sim Racers and they'll probably make their decision based on, you know, YouTubers or, or when the deals come up, etc. they're there to see friends. It, you know, it needs another element. It needs something else to do whilst you're there. Another reason to travel to the expo other than to look at kit that you probably know better than the person you know sitting you down on the rig like because you've watched that many youtube videos about the newton meters and the torque and the buttons and the toggles and the, yeah you, you get my point, the right? there needs to be, 
the funky switches that, that was the word i was trying to think of um yes so um i totally agree but i am looking forward to making said pilgrimage um mm. this year it's gonna be really really nice to see everyone and it's it's kind of it's you know although it's the the manufacturers that pay essentially for it to happen um it's kind of net positive for the whole sim racing industry because it's one of those melting pots of all the brands getting together and you it's you get this amazing moment where you'll be stood there chatting to somebody and then you'll just see like the CEO of Fanatec walking over to the CEO of Track Racing and they'll start chatting and then, you know, some of the CEO of SimiCube will wander over and join the chat and, you know, it, and, and it's all this kind of, all this kind of networking happens and then, you know, partnerships flourish out the back of it and, you know, your Alpine Esports goes and Williams Esports goes and, you know, the providers go and, you know, it's, um it, it, yeah, you're absolutely right. There's more to it than selling kit because obviously not many people put a track racer tr 180 under their arm into the back of the car <laughs> and then drive it home right so it's uh yeah it's a totally different reason but then i guess as an industry as a group we have to expect the manufacturers to pay to invest in that very very long tail uh marketing activity yeah looking forward to it great <laughs> no i'm just really looking forward to it <laughs> okay Sorry. so um tom final yeah. final point from you then to bring to the table well it's gonna not be a typical sim sundays uh, topic um because it's yeah. not really about sim racing game but i just want to flag the crew motor fest and test drive unlimited solar crown both yeah. of which i played recently and the reason i bring them up is they're big open world accessible games mainly played with a controller you know and for some people what do oh i you know i don't want to play iRacing. oh uh, whatever but and that's great love it I just, when I hear your interviews, Tom, and you're, mm-hmm. you often ask, oh, how did you get into sim racing or whatever? And sometimes people say, oh, well, the first game I played was Need for Speed. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. There always needs to be games to get people in. And these games the are those. Drugs. Yeah. And in particular, the crew, which this time round has cockpit camera on every vehicle, mm-hmm. but also pretty good animations of how the hands and arms are turning a steering wheel in the car. And it has steering wheel support from day one. And the first five hours, no matter which platform you're on, PC, PlayStation, Xbox, are free for everybody. Um, that's really big that's for sim racing, I think, long term. Because here's a game that anyone can pick up with a controller on any, on any device apart from a Switch. Um, enjoy lots of nice cars and pretty visuals. And actually handling that's fully arcade, but it's not completely out there like OutRun or something. Yeah. Or, you know, or Sega Rally. It's actually got a, a bit of... Uh, weight to it, and you can upgrade the cars and actually change how they feel, and each car feels distinctive. So that's a really key thing. It's big budget, and it's out in a, a couple of weeks from the time of recording. You had to try it with the steering wheel, so verdict remains for a later date. But that's that's key to like when you go back to Gamescom right at the start of the episode. One of the biggest stands there, full stop, was for the Crew Motorfest. So that just yeah, shows how enormous. much money is going behind it. And there was a queue. Yeah. I saw a queue with people sat on camping chairs, and I'm thinking. This game had a publicly available beta and the first hour, five hours are going to be free. Why are you queuing for it? But it shows there's an appetite for yeah. car games. And that's what I'm about. 100%. Growing the scene. And then Test Drive, that's not out until next year. Played it behind closed doors at Gamescom. There's an article and a video on attraction sources. But um, that's weird because the handling is kind of serious-ish. You can turn off the ABS and lock up. It's very difficult to drive. It's very easy to crash. If you watch uh, yeah. the Connect video they did, it looks like all the drivers are really inept, but actually it's just a really difficult game. <laughs> and they'll have to refine that. It's built on the WRC game technology from the last few years. And But will it become the first open world game that's kind of like an Assetto Corsa mod in that it's got semi-serious physics? Yeah. We'll have to see. So there could be something that's really accessible that gets people in, and there could be something that maybe slightly, if it works out, it's a bit rough at the minute, uh, <laughs> appeals to those who are into their serious games but want something a bit more open world collaborative you know eight player online races as a crew racing against another crew so um i just want to flag those as things to look out for in the coming weeks and months no i love it and actually the crew is not a a title that i'm hugely familiar with but it did did really raise eyebrows uh when i walked into that hall that you walked into and saw the size Uh, because it's not cheap to advertise a game come um the, the the stand was absolutely enormous obviously i went on the saturday three hundred and twenty thousand people were there uh, and there was a huge queue for um for the crew so yeah uh i'm excited to try it um we're you know we're exploring a lot more kind of like entry-level arcadey gateway drug style mm. games uh at grid finder now uh, as well so i'll be interested to see what the multiplayer 
um, options end up being. So there we are. There's our roundup of the last three months um, as it's as seen from the perspective of Gridfinder and Traction. So thank you very much for joining. Before you leave, before you go, I'd like us all to predict the future. Now we'll be meeting again in about three months' time. Uh, So December. So just before we go off for our Christmas break, we'll meet up and do another review of the next three months. I would like you to predict what the headline is going to be for that episode <laughs> in three months' time. Oof. I've got one. Renspot reveals more than... An, oh, I've ruined it. But another new track. A new track <laughs> that isn't just Monza, Hockenheimring, Nürburgring GP, uh, Goodwood Hill Climb, or... Uh, I'm forgetting. Spa, oh. there we go. Tom, I think Tom was asking for realistic, not dream scenarios. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, listen, we love the Renspot guys, and we, we're looking forward to it. I think it's great for the industry. But... Uh, Second season of ESL one. I hope in the second half, where if you look at the calendar, the tracks are TBA. Um, mm. That there are some fresh content there. That'll be nice. What are we thinking? Is it it's going to be Silverstone? Maybe an American track? Maybe Cota? Yeah, an American track is a good good bet there. Maybe. Yeah, I would suggest. Or, or, actually, probably more logical, Jeddah. Uh, yeah, maybe. <laughs> Could be, yeah, the, the famous European Jeddah, uh, for sure. It would be good to see like Watkins or something, wouldn't it? But I mean, you could name a bunch of different tracks. We just want to see some more variety. I'd like to see Alton Park, please. Oh, the, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, the yeah, next yeah. one. That's always a winner. <laughs> okay, John. Um, for me, I think it depends. I, I would love to see you know a, a positive experience with like Forza. We're still waiting to know more about things. I think. By, by the time Christmas rolls around, a lot of these things that have been anticipated are going to be either just there or just being pushed back further or almost there. You know, Le Mans Ultimate hopefully be very, yeah. very close by that point. Um, Come on, John. You'll be so, talking about a rally game, uh, hopefully. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. Thing, obviously, we would love to see WRC, but hopefully there's just... Hopefully by Christmas, we can be... what The main headline can be is, what amazing new racing game are you going to be buying for Christmas? That's what I want to see. Because I, I want there to be you know, two or three more options out there really? for people that are looking for something really? new for Christmas. And I want us to be talking about them in a, should you get this or this? Because they're both great rather than mm. a, why shouldn't you buy either? So yeah. fingers crossed. I'm going to go completely left field of those two suggestions. and I'm going to say that we are going to be talking about new hardware technology. Ooh. I'm going to predict there's been a, there has been a significant lack in updates from the big hitters. So I'm going to, yeah. I'm going to predict that we're going to be talking about an announcement from Simicube or Fanatec or Assetec about a new, genuinely innovative piece of sim racing uh, technology that's going to get us all very excited. Predicting something there for, on the podcast that's sponsored by one of those companies. So you might know something there, Tom. He might, he might be onto ah, it. <laughs> yes, well, that is the perfect segue. Uh, so thank you very much for, for joining us, guys. I really, really enjoyed it. And thank you to our, our podcast sponsor, Assetec for very recently becoming the new sponsor of the uh, the Sim Sunday show. We are looking forward to receiving our Forte kit in the office, which we'll be using uh, for our hot lap competition. And I don't expect it to do miracles. Our timings will still be average. I expect we are going to enjoy it quite a lot on that, on that Forte kit. So thank you very much. Appreciate it. And we'll see you guys uh, at the expo. And then in three months time. See you there. Thank you. See you Bye. later.